today's scripture reading is from Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. If you are using the Blue Pew Bible, you can find today's passage on page 15. Again, um, today's scripture passage is Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. Please join me in standing in honor of God's holy and inerrant word. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot. For she said, Let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this past 12 months... Um been probably the most challenging and difficult time that I've experienced in my whole life. Started um, when my dad, uh, who had Alzheimer's, 
know, he just got a little out of control emotionally. And he attempted to assault my mom. Although my parents uh, at the time last year were 90, 95 and 94, yet they live independently in their condo. And through the pandemic, my sisters, I had two sisters in the Bay Area, they helped my mom to take care of my dad. And by last summer, they were, all three of them were burnt out. As a result, I quickly traveled out to California to care for my parents. And after, three, after four months, my separation with Ellie just affected our marital relationship. And we decided that it wasn't sustainable for us to be apart. Therefore, we decided to move my dad to a facility. However, my brother objected to that option. He truly believed that family members ought to take care of their aging parents all the way to the end. There was just great tension between my brother and the rest of my family. My brother volunteered to care for my parents by inviting them to come and live with them in San Antonio. It was quite a process to move my parents, who's been in California for many decades. Unfortunately, my dad fell several times when he was in San Antonio. Within several weeks, my brother realized that he could not handle it. And as a result, my parents moved here to Houston, where I care for them. Two weeks after my parents arrived, um, I ruptured, completely ruptured my Achilles tendon at a father-son retreat. It was challenging to get around with one foot. Three months later, unfortunately, I re-ruptured that same Achilles tendon completely and had a second surgery. When one thing goes wrong, it seems like everything um, follows badly. How do we respond when things are going haywire? Do we respond in anger and frustration, or do we respond in patience? Life is filled with unexpected turns. How do we respond to these challenges? And how we respond will determine what kind of life we will have. Trials and mistakes are normal. But what makes a difference is whether we learn from those past mistakes or not. We've seen last week Abraham had a humiliating experience with Abimelech. The question is whether did Abraham learn from his mistakes? Is he going to go back to his fears that dictates how he behaves? 
or he go on to trust God during difficult times? Will he fall back to those bad habits of yielding to his fears? As you remember, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham put his wife, Sarah, in harm's way in order to save Abraham's own life. He pretended that she was his sister, which resulted in her being taken into Pharaoh's harem of concubines and lightly being forced into adultery. Again, if we fast forward to Genesis 20, which was our passage last week, we see out of fear again. We see that Abraham repeated the same mistake by claiming Sarah to be his, his sister. Apparently, he did not trust the Lord to protect him as well as her. In our study today, we'll see how Abraham bounced back from his moral failure and embraced God as his eternal God. He got himself back on the right track. We do have a sermon outlined in your bulletin. You can follow uh, with me. See, many of us make mistakes in life. It might be procrastinating on a project and then it came to bite us. It might be jumping to conclusion without hearing the full story. It might be yielding to temptations of pornography. Are we going to learn from our mistakes or not? Are we going to bounce back and get back on the right track? Thank God for His grace. His, he loves us. And it's not dependent upon how good that we might be. He loves us unconditionally. God's grace is clearly displayed in this passage. Before we jump into this passage, I, I want to give you some context. As you remember, God pro promised Abraham a great descendant as well as a great nation. But yet he didn't have a son. He didn't have any descendants. After many years where his wife was barren, Sarah took things into her own hands, feeling that God needed some help. She suggested to Abraham that her handmaid would lie down with him to bear them a son. And he consented to do so. Both have demonstrated a lack of faith in the Lord. And move forward a little bit. Uh, God in Genesis 17, 16 said to Abraham, he says, I will bless her, referring to Sarah. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. 
Here God made it very clear that Abraham will have a son from Sarah, his wife. Interestingly, we see that Abraham, just in the very next verse, responded by laughing at God. Laughing out of disrespect. It's like teens rolling their eyes. Like, you got to be kidding. Not only that, but we see that Abraham said to God in the very next verse, in verse 18, he says, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. No, if I was God, I would be ticked off at Abraham's response of using Ishmael instead of God's promised child. Instead of judging Abraham, we see God demonstrate a grace by doubling down on his promise. In Genesis 17, 19, God says, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And a couple of verses after that in Genesis 17, 21, God made it very clear a specific time frame when she was to bear a son. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. See, up to this time, they've been waiting. They had no clue when this son will come, if this son will ever come. We see here, God made it very clear that he will bless Sarah with a son in a year from then. Not only did Abraham laugh at God when God promised his son, promised him a son, but we also see Sarah respond similarly in Genesis 18.12. It says, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is oh, shall I have pleasure? We, we see Sarah question God. This Lord then responded adamantly in Genesis 18, 14. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah shall have a son. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. In a matter of fact, the harder the situation might be, the more glory will be displayed when God resolve it because no one else can take credit for what he will do. Back in the mid-1980s, our church decided to expand our facility in the midst of the worst recession the Houston's ever had. 
almost 200 of our members here lost their job. Can you imagine? 200 of us lost our job. People thought we were totally crazy, insane to try to raise funds under this terrible economic condition. Now, the question before us is, is anything too hard for the Lord? The Lord rallied the ACC members to give generously as well as to lend money to the church through church bonds. And God made it happen. What appeared to be impossible became a reality. Here in Genesis chapter 21, we see the fulfillment of the promise from God. Indeed, after 25 long years, God blessed Abraham with a son, just as he promised according to his timing. Now, in spite of Abraham and Sarah's lack of faith, as they laughed at God, God demonstrated his grace by still keeping his promise. God always keeps his promise. But it is in his own way and in his own time. We see in this first section, verses 1 to 21, how Abraham grew in his faith as God demonstrated his grace. Let's take a look in verses 1 to 5 here. It says, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred year old when his son was born to him. Not only that we see God's grace. But we also see God's power. We see it, uh, in the next few verses, verses 5-7, that, that Sarah basically said that no one would believe that Abraham, who is 100-year-old, and she was 90-year-old, and that they, they were way beyond bearing child age, yet God made God made something impossible a reality. There is nothing too hard who specializes in miracles. Although some people among us might doubt God or might even laugh at God, thinking that it might be impossible to raise the funds for or Matthew's firm's property and his operational costs, we need to remember what God said, is anything too hard for the Lord? 
when God demonstrated his grace by providing Abraham a son, Abraham responded in faith in God, uh, to God in obedience. First, by naming his newborn Isaac. That was the name that God wanted Abraham to name his son. Isaac literally means laughter. <laughs> you know, God has a real sense of humor. Although Abraham and Sarah laughed at God in a derogatory way, now they laugh with joy, great joy, because God's grace has poured upon them as they celebrate the birth of their son. The second way how to Abraham to demonstrate obedience by circumcising Isaac on the eighth day according to God's command. This whole first section really focuses on God and His grace. We're seeing how God is gracious by fulfilling His promise in spite of Abraham and Sarah's unbelief. In addition, we have seen how God is gracious by providing Sarah the instinct to protect the child of promise and by providing for Hagar and Ishmael in spite of being rejected. Let us take a look in uh, verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had bore to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not be heirs with my son Isaac. And the things was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not dismayed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah say to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. So Isaac was about three years old. That was about the time when uh, little toddlers are weaned. Abraham, as well as Sarah, had a big feast, inviting people to come to this happy occasion. This joyous event turns sour when Sarah saw Ishmael laughing at Isaac. Now, this word laughing is the same root word as that joyous laughing, but in this context, it has a very negative connotation. In the NIV, it's translating mocking. Ishmael was around 17 years old at that time. Before Isaac arrived into the scene, he was the main focus. He was the son of Abraham. 
Now Ishmael may be jealous. He taunted and mocked at Isaac. And if we take a look at a cross-reference in Galatians chapter 4, verse 29, which talks about this relationship between Ishmael and Isaac, the Apostle Paul said that Ishmael persecuted Isaac. Sarah had the foresight of knowing God had promised her son a great nation. She saw Ishmael as a threat to the promised child. Therefore, she told Abraham to cast both Hagar and Ishmael out because both of them cannot coexist. Abraham initially was very unhappy about this request. However, God quickly steps in to approve of Sarah's instinct to protect the child promise as recorded in verses 12 and 13. Abraham was comforted by God, promising both of his boys will have a great nation. As you know, in, in the line of Ishmael, that's where the Arab countries um, were established. God did not forget his promise to Ishmael. As it was recorded in Genesis 17, 20, it says, As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, since I will make him into a great nation. Again, we witness God's grace. Now, in spite of the great mess that Abraham and Sarah had made by taking things into their own hands with Ishmael being born, yet God kept his promise. Although we might make mistakes, God can still displace grace upon us by giving us something that we might not deserve. God's grace is enough. In verses 14 and 21 of this passage, we see that Hagar and Ishmael were sent out into the wilderness. And before long, their food, supply, and water ran out. It appeared to be a hopeless situation as Hagar was weeping and crying out to God. We see in verses 17, 18, it says, And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Interesting, while Hagar does cry out to God, it was the boy's cry that God hears. This offers special meaning to the fact that Ishmael literally means God hears. See, back in, in Scripture, we see names are very important. Although Ishmael was a sign of disbelief, a distrust, 
before God as well as rejection from Abraham and Sarah. Yet God still was gracious toward them. God stepped in to protect and provide for the outcasts in the wilderness. Now, in spite of whatever mistakes that we might have made before God, yet God is a gracious and loving God. God loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty on our behalf. Anyone, no matter what our background might be, no matter what blunders we might have made, yet God has offered salvation to all. We place our faith in Jesus, then we will be saved. Abraham grew in his faith as God demonstrated grace by fulfilling his promise, in spite of Abraham and Sarah's unbelief. God showed his grace by approving Sarah's instinct to protect the child, a promise, and by providing for Hagar and Ishmael in spite of them being rejected. Now we come to the last section of this passage this morning. We see Abraham grew in his faith as Abimelech recognized that God was with Abraham. You see, the previous encounter that Abraham had with Abimelech was a very negative one back in Genesis chapter 20, where Abraham lied to Abimelech, claiming that Sarah was his sister in fear of the foreigner killing him. God had to step in to protect Abraham as well as Sarah in spite of throwing his wife under the bus. We see, in, we see that Abraham cowardly act. Instead of being a strong husband that protects and provides for his wife, he acted cowardly. And we see there's a massive change. One chapter later, as Abimelech encounters Abraham again. Let us read in verses 22 and 24. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my prosperity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. Earlier, Abimelech sees Abraham as a liar, as a deceiver, as a weak man without a backbone. However, now he says, God is with you 
in all that you do. Wow, that is probably one of the greatest compliments that one can receive from a non-believer. In a matter of fact, do your classmates know that you are a Christian? Do your co-worker know that you love the Lord? Do your family members and relatives see clearly that God is ruling in your life? Minister Marpung, our Cantonese minister, his parents, who are um, uh, adamantly against Christianity, came to visit visit his family here in Houston last summer for several months. Although he had a negative view of Christianity, yet he still came to church. He was surprised how well the church greeted him and treated him as well as his wife. He could not believe the consistent demonstration of love toward them. And through time, he concluded that God is with these Cantonese congregation members. He wanted to understand what caused these believers to behave in such a way. It was because Christ has changed their life. And Mr. Poon realized their behavior is contrary to the ways of the world. And he caused him to embrace God. And he made a decision to place his personal faith in Jesus Christ. We see that King Abimelech witnessed that there was something different about Abraham. That God was with him and that God has blessed Abraham. It motivated him to seek Abraham out to make a treaty with him. He requested for a peaceful relationship between them. We witness here how God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham to be a blessing to others. Abraham has changed a lot. He responded properly to the mistakes that he had made. He has learned to grow in his faith in the Lord. Instead of trusting in himself, Abraham trusted in God. As a result, God blessed him. It was so clear that God is with Abraham, that the ruler of the Philistines also acknowledged acknowledged that directly. They wanted to live in peace, peaceful coexistence in the land. We see another change in Abraham as he moved from being a coward to being a courageous leader. In the previous chapter, as you remember, Abraham was afraid of Abimelech. But here in verse 25 and following, it says, when Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servant has seized, Wells back in those days were very critical to maintain a continuous peaceful relationship 
One needs to restore peace when it is disrupted. Abraham was willing to bring this controversial topic before Abimelech, claiming that his servants had stolen that well that belongs to Abraham. Abraham rebuked the ruler for letting his servants steal the well. Abraham, Abimelech claims that he did not know about this incident. So instead of keeping things quiet, Abraham brought up the problem that was at hand. You know, we um, also, when we see something is wrong, we, it's, it's necessary for us to correct our brother. May we do it in love. Various times, it might be a blind spot for another person. They might not notice something that they have done wrong. This week, I approached the leader to correct him and how he dealt with another leader. I was thrilled that he accepted the admonishment well. He thanked me for letting him know. And this brother seek to learn from his mistakes. We see here that Abimelech and Abraham were able to settle their differences. It all started with bringing it up to the person that offended you personally. See, various times, they might not even be aware of the problem. Open Communication is so very critical. And we see that Abraham has developed courage to do so. In order to uh, ensure that peaceful relationship continues in the future, they made an oath together. By taking this oath at the enactment of the covenant, Abraham secured his legal right to the well and his permission to dwell in the land in peace. With his present of the seven animals to make the oath, Abraham convinced Abimelech that he had dug that well and it belongs to him. Abraham concluded the agreement with Abimelech Abimelech by naming the place Bathsheba, which means they swear. They made a swear. They made a commitment. They, they made a covenant there at Bathsheba. They wanted a visible landmark to remind them that God has brought them together for peace. The dispute between the men were resolved by an oath that formalizes by seven lambs, which symbolizes a mutual oath that they took for one another. Naming this critical place is to preserve for future generation the record of how this property was secure. In 2008, I went on a mission trip uh, to Uganda where I taught uh, church leaders the Word of God. 
while driving to a small warehouse where I was to teach the leaders that travel by foot for several hours, someone threw a rock at us while we were driving, and our window just happened to be open, and the rock flew into the car, and it hit me right between <laughs> my eyes, right here. Had a little bruise here. Uh, if it went an inch this way or that way, it would have been uh, some um, major damage here. I kept that rock <laughs> to be a good reminder. I brought it back from Uganda uh, that God protected me. Every time I look at that rock, it reminds me of God's grace, God's goodness to me. You know, Christian life is a journey filled with highs and lows. Our goal is to grow in our faith so that we will represent God well. The key to growth is how we respond during trials. Abraham made a hum- had a humiliating experience with Abimelech, but he learned from his mistake, and he embraced God who demonstrated his grace and power to him. Although this past year has been my most difficult year, God has stretched my faith. I've learned to trust God even more. Although my original plans did not work out, God, being a sovereign God, had a better plan. When my dad came here, the Lord provided an excellent facility, a residential home for my dad to stay, which is, which is located 10 minutes away from where I live. And they, they were just excellent caretakers that were present. My mom staying with me, and that transition has been very good. She's told me numerous times as she has come to the church, she says, God is with HCC. There's something special about the people here. And I thank God for that. And, may, may, and, and, and after I rupture my Achilles, I thank God for providing many brothers and sisters that reached out to me to see how y'all could care for me. And I really sense the love of God present. I witness God's grace. God's called us to represent him well on this earth. And may we recognize that God is gracious and God is powerful. And may it cause us to trust him more and to obey him. For he is the way maker. He is our promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. And even though we might not see it, God is working. Even though we might not feel it, God is working. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for 
your grace and your love for us. And we confess various times we forget of who you are. May we remember that you are the way maker, you are the promise keeper, that you are the light in the darkness. Even though we might not see it or feel it, that you are working. May we learn to trust you more. May we learn to embrace you as we walk through many ups and downs in our life. There.